Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chat Channel. My name is Tim Hayden, and I'll be your host. We have a super show for you today. Our guest is the beautiful and talented Tina Sloan. Tina is an actress and author. She has appeared in many shows like Search for Tomorrow, Another World, The Black Swan, and many more. She's probably best known for her role as Lillian Rains on The Guiding Light. She's also author of three fabulous books we'll talk about later on. Please welcome Tina to the show. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you, Tim. I'm glad to be here. I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, how are things going for you there in Florida? I guess y'all survived the hurricane that came through there. We were here for both of them, and they they didn't hit us badly. I mean, you know, the West Coast was just devastated, but we 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 just sort of heard heard a little wind and saw a lot of rain, but nothing. Thank heaven, God. Well, was I saw in the saw in the news that y'all upper North, uh, Florida might be getting snow. Really? Mm -hmm. Up in Tallahassee, that area. Yeah, Georgia, uh, Alabama, all of them are supposed to be getting some snow here soon. They don't know what to do with snow. I know, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be crashing their cars everywhere. For sure. Because, you know, they say that thing about, you know, when the temperature drops below 70 in Florida, that the iguanas start dropping or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> no. no. We get cold in the winter. We, I mean, you know, people wear big coats and things. In December, a lot, it gets chilly. But nothing. Oh, I, I imagine. Nothing like what I'm used to in New York. So, Tata, when did you, what was it like for you growing up? Uh, were you always interested in, as a child, interested in acting or? Yeah, I, I mean, I had a really nice childhood. Maybe you did too. You know, people, I hear these yes. stories and I think, oh, how blessed I was. I had a mother and father who seemed to really love each other and love me. And my, I had a brother and sister. Um, and I was older. My, I was a war baby. My father had been in the war and, you know, we all when they came back from the war. All these babies came around and um, I don't know that I was, I remember being in a play when I was in grammar school and thinking this was really fun, but you know, there was no television when I was growing up. There was no, I went to the theater occasionally, but we lived outside of the city. So I just didn't know much about it. We just made up our own plays. We did, you know, little plays like that, that you made up, but I don't think I, really thought about it when I was little. I was just sort of happy to be home. And I don't know what we all did. Don't, do you, don't you wonder? We'd go out yes. and come back at dinner time. And who knows? I remember playing hide and seek and pretending you'd find these little secret caves and, you, and your best friend would go in the cave or behind the bushes and make up stories. And oh, it was, it, well, so I was making up stories, but we just had, we played all the time. And it was, and on our bicycles, just rode them all day long. And you yeah. never, our parents didn't have to worry about us. We just came home at dinner time. Right. Uh, I know growing up, uh, we did have a TV with like three channels, but we were only allowed to watch it on Saturday mornings and at night <laughs> and Sunday. Had to watch Disney on Sunday. I do remember when TV came out, I watched I Remember Mama. And I do think that changed me. Katrin and I Remember Mama, I wanted to be Katrin. She had long blonde hair and I just thought, oh, She's just so wonderful. And that was, that was, I guess, when I did start wanting to be an actress was when TV came on and I, I saw that woman that she seemed like a woman to me. She was probably 16 when I was 10 or eight. So you probably remember actually when Guiding Light was still on radio. Um, I don't remember that, but I sure remember when it was live and when all these TV shows were live and we got in trouble because of who knows what happened. You know, <laughs> it was really silly. And we change our clothes during the intermission and because you were doing a different day or something, or you were, it was nighttime and you were pulling on your clothes in the middle of, of the stage. It was hysterical. Well, that, and I know the talk shows, they did their own commercials. Instead of having commercials, they would break away as a Excedrin, you know, or whatever. That's brand. right. That's right. <laughs> and wash the old fashioned washing machines, you know, where you had to turn the handle for the things to get dried off. I mean, it was just wonderful for silly. It was. It yeah. was. And, and 
as a child, my best one of my fondest memories is riding our bikes down to the fire department because they had a Coke machine so we could buy our drinks. <laughs> and that nothing beats an orange crush in the bottle. I'm just just saying. <laughs> I'm a big Coca-Cola person. I think I should have lived in Atlanta. Isn't that where they started Coca-Cola in Atlanta? Yes. I just think Coca-Cola, I like the little cans. I've got one right here. I feel like I'm doing an ad for them. But the little <laughs> tiny cans, which are so tiny, they're not even your hands. Yes. Um, yeah. And so you don't get too much. You just get, I, I kept my one can a day and it gives me all that energy to keep going. We're on opposite there. I'm a Pepsi man. Oh, are you? I just yes. saw this movie. Did you see Pepsi? Pepsi, Where's My Plane? It's a doctor. Uh-uh. Oh, it's about some boy who was 16 or something who Pepsi had an ad that if you made 700,000 points, you would get a Haver jet which was a big army thing that landed, boom, came down. Yeah. So he did it. And he went to them and said, where's my plane? And of course they didn't, they didn't, there was no, nothing at the bottom saying this is a joke or any acknowledgement of the oh, fact wow. that it wasn't real. And so they offered him something like a million and a half dollars, which was a lot of money. And that he wouldn't is. take it because he wanted his jet. <laughs> and of course jet. he ended up with absolutely nothing because their legal people came in, but he He'd done it in good faith, and it was just devastating to him not wow. to do what he had planned. Dang, I should, they should do that. I could get some bucks on that. <laughs> With all the, read it. Pepsi, Pepsi, it's on Netflix. Pepsi, where's my plane, or where's my average job? I have to look that up. I just wrote it down. Well, getting back to you, did you get your start in theater? Mm. Or did you go right on to search for tomorrow? No, no, no. I... I was married long, long, long ago. My husband died and he was an author, a playwright. So I was in his play and Ford Model Agency came to the play, happened to, it was a little tiny off-Broadway play and saw me and called me the next day and said, would you like to go do commercials? And I said, sure, why not? (laughs) So the first commercial I went up on was Head and Shoulders and I got it. I'll never forget this. I didn't have a Screen Actors Guild card or an after card. So I had to run over and get, show them I had a contract and get the card in order to work. And um, of course I never got another commercial for about a hundred after that, but to get your very (laughs) first commercial was amazing. I mean, it was thrilling, thrilling, Tim. Um, So I knew I was destined to do that and I, I made, tons of commercials just they used to ask for a tina sloan type because i could be the, the, the housewife with the pampers and i could also be the clairol girl i mean i i could my range was fairly big in those days now i don't know what you do at this age um i don't want to think what you do um but i guess i started with commercials that play was the one that propelled me though his play into doing commercials and then I was doing so many that I said to my agent, look, because when you do, did commercials, you went every day, you'd go all over the city to audition. And it was really tiring. And then you'd do the commercial, which was fun. But then you'd go over the next day, you'd be downtown, uptown, midtown. It was just, you might be at eight different auditions. So, and I saw these people who did soap operas and they just went to one place and they worked at one place every day. And I thought, mm, that seems like an easier lifestyle to me than what I'm doing. And so I said, if you don't, I remember being sort of bratty, if you don't send me out on an audition for a soap opera, I'll probably go somewhere else. So he sent me on an audition for a soap (laughs) opera and it was Somerset. Somerset, okay. That was my first show. Yeah, in 74. Um, Yeah, uh, and the best show. I loved it. it. It was the best show. And I was so bad. I was so naughty. And oh, did I love it. I mean, I wore fur coats with nothing underwear except a little bit of jewelry and underwear. I was such a bad girl. And I just thought this was the most fun that I've ever had. And, and, and as I said, I went to one place that happened to be Brooklyn, but they'd pick us up in a big limo and drive us out to Brooklyn. And you do a, it was a half hour show. And all the people on it went on to become big stars, Ted Danson. Um, they were just Sigourney Weaver, really good people were on that show. They all went to California when it went off the air. And I remember thinking, should I be going to California? And I was married and I wasn't going to leave, you know. Um, and also, I found, for me anyway, my parents lived in New- the New York area outside in the suburbs. And they were getting older and I didn't want to leave them. I mean, in those days, we stayed and helped our parents or lived mm-hmm. near them. Now, 
my son's in Nashville. My husband had two other children. One lives in California. One lives in Rhode Island. You know, it changed. It's different now. We just, our family was so important. My husband's family were in Darien, Connecticut, which was about an hour from where we lived in the city. So we saw our families and we didn't want to, I didn't want to move. I, I remember I got a part on Days of Our Lives and I just couldn't sign the contract that I would come out if I got it. They, they made before you auditioned. I was out there auditioning. And then when they had the finals, they made me say that I would take it. And I just couldn't do it because I kept seeing my parents. And I thought California is so far away. <laughs> it really is. I mean, uh, unless you're from the U.S., you don't actually realize because I've got friends in the U.K. They're like, well, it shouldn't, you know, we can drive to the coast in just a couple hours. I'm like, yeah, it, 12 hours one way and 30 hours the other for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Crazy. So you went from Somerset to uh, Search for Tomorrow, where you played a nurse. <laughs> No, Patty. No, 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 no. Patty was the only thing I played on that show, I think. Well, first of all, on Somerset, I played a publisher of a newspaper and my husband was the editor and I fired him. I mean, he wasn't my husband. I wanted to marry him. I liked him. And indeed, I got him. I stole him away from the good girl on the show, Bibi Besh. Bibi Besh, she <laughs> was a wonderful actress. She died so young. It's awful. Um, there were three of us, and we all had the same birthday, February 1st, Joel Crothers, B.B. Besh, and myself. And they both died before they were 40, probably. You know, that's really young. That's terrible. Horrible. Yeah. She had cancer, and he had something else. Um, um, and then, all right, so I played that wonderful part. When I went on Somerset, I went on to take Mary Stewart, her granddaughter, that was really what my part was. I was her daughter and she wanted a granddaughter. She didn't want a daughter my age. So um, I was just there to bring her on. And that's, I was just on, I think for six months on search, although I liked it a lot, but I wasn't a nurse. I was just Mary Stewart's daughter. As far as I remember, Patty Whiting. Well, IMDb got you wrong. It says RN right here. <laughs> really? No. Mm -mm. I grew into that. But then you went and, on to the, uh, another world. You were a doctor, correct? I hope they're right. Nobel, <laughs> Nobel Prize winning cardiologist. Wow. <laughs> I use that a lot. One time I was on a plane and this is true. This is really true. I was flying from Tucson to Denver and somebody got really sick and they said, is there a doctor on the plane or is there a nurse on the plane? And nobody answered. And you know, this man was lying in the aisle. So I went up and said, look, I get to say this line. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I got to say the line. And I said, and I know all the words to calm him down. I can pretend I'm taking his blood pressure. I can pretend I'm doing all the cardiac things that you would be doing. And I'll just help him. I mean, you know, nobody else is going to help him. He's lying here, but I will make him feel good or make him feel calmer, which might save his life. So I remember I knelt down, I sat on the I don't wonder if I could do that now and get all the way down on the ground and sit there with him. And I, you know, I was pretending I was taking his pulse and I was pretending I was taking his blood pressure and telling him all of these big words that meant nothing. I mean, I didn't know what I was saying, but he was nodding at me and, you know, he's, he said, well, I make it. And I said, absolutely. I can tell because your cortisone level, I don't know what I said, but I made it all up. Now we wouldn't be allowed to do that. And I really think I saved this guy because he stopped. Oh, sure. He stopped and he started, you know, he brought his, I brought him down. I brought his pulse down. But if I'd gone now, I'd probably be sued, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Oh, but we can't do what we use. We can't be good Samaritans anymore. Well, you were just saying at CPR, if you're not certified CPR and you perform CPR and that person dies, you could be sued. Even if, or if they went, you know, you give them the Heimlich method, you'd be sued. No, the Heimlich's different than CPR. Oh, I know what CPR is, but um, but I wondered if you got up at a restaurant and gave someone a Heimlich, if you could get sued. I don't know. I don't think so, because you don't have to be uh, certified to do a Heimlich, but you do uh -huh. have to be certified to do CPR, which is crazy. You know, I mean, if you could possibly try to save somebody, I mean. Yeah. And if, yeah. And we sort of know what to do, people. Right. It's not like we don't see it every, you know, <laughs> <laughs> on every show <laughs> or do it in your case. <laughs> yeah, I've done it. I mean, the people I've saved, it's quite amazing. <laughs> well, you landed your your role that you are 
best known for it, Lillian Rains in 1983 in Guiding yeah. Light. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember your? Did you have to do a re, uh, rehearsal or not rehearsal? Audition. audition no. Or? Gail Gail Kobe, who was the producer, who had been the uh, an associate producer on Somerset, called me in and said, "Okay, Tina, we'll give you this part, but do you mind having a forty-year-old?" No, a 20-year-old daughter. I said, mine, I'm thrilled. Beth Chamberlain, well, it wasn't Beth Chamberlain, it was Judy Evans. I said, absolutely thrilled to do that. You know, I don't care. And she said, we're only having you on for one year, but you're going to be doing some very interesting things like that rape, the child abuse, the rape abuse, the, oh, all of those wonderful things we did with Bradley Rains, who was such a good actor. He was Jim Rebhorn. Jim Rebhorn. I remember I went to his funeral and his wife said, oh, he just, you know, he just loved being married to you. He was because I protected him. I mean, here, this man who had two daughters had to rape Beth and he went and got sick to his stomach before he had to play that scene. I mean, it was so awful for him. He was such a good person and people never forgave him. I mean, ever. I was going to say, I wondered about that, about the fans that because I mean he I know he played that in this show but he's done so much phenomenal work oh, other than so brilliant, just that <laughs> so brilliant even I sometimes when I saw him in a movie I think I'd have that moment of oh I hate you because I did think <laughs> what he did um and he was awful I mean he was awful to me too he was just a terrible man mm -hmm. they and he did it so well and it got him a lot of other work because well, you know, I mean that shows how good of an actor he is if he was able to make people actually hate have him. that emotion and hating. Oh, that, you know, test him. Remember, he was just, I don't yes. know if you saw that show, but it yes. was festival. <laughs> and, and poor, well, that was Judy, wasn't it? Um, she yes, was so I think it was. She was so good in that. Um, and so she used to come over to my house. She was so innocent. I had a little boy then, my son, and she'd ride his tricycle around the house. She was a little girl, and here she's being raped on television. It, she got an Emmy for it, so it was worth it, I guess. For sure. I mean, that that whole storyline, I remember it. I mean, I was young, but I remember it so well, so well. I remember they were going to have me shoot him and kill him. That's why I was only on for a year. I was going to kill him. And I went in and I said, look, I'm not trying to save myself. But if I kill him and daddy's dead, no one, that child is not going to have anyone to take care of her. So she's not going to say anything. So anybody yep. watching this won't tell their mother, you need to have us go to rape crisis centers and you need to, and then I'll leave, you know, and of course I stayed for 25 more years till it went off the air, but I've never gone to them before and I never went to them after about something, but that was far too important because Beth and I did go around to rape crisis centers and talk to all these girls. And, you know, you realize you don't, you want to help them. You don't want them not to tell their mothers. And if the mother, and some, most of the time, the mother would just not believe them. Um, but if they knew that mother would shoot daddy and daddy was dead and mommy's in jail, they're not going to tell mommy. Right. So they changed the whole story and they did, they did such a wonderful job. They put him in jail. They had us go to rape crisis centers and her work it out. And, and so she became healthy again through the whole thing. You know, it was really well done. That's something I've really loved about Getting Light is how they would bring things that were going on at that time up front. They weren't afraid to. They weren't, uh, afraid. They weren't at all. That, the rape, your breast cancer. Uh, I mean, that storyline was incredible as well. I mean, brilliant. it was just brilliant. And it was so early. I remember you had to, I was getting a mammogram and a sonogram on television. So all the cute guys that work with us, you know, you're naked um, to set their cameras. So they didn't stay in there. And they said, Tina, we're just going to set the cameras. You stay dressed and while we set them and then don't change when you take your clothes off. I just thought it was the sweetest, nice. They were so good. They were such wonderful men. You know, the Guiding Light had the best people working as actors and as the crew. And interestingly, Tim, nobody got divorced. One person. Nobody got divorced the whole time we were on that show. Right. And that's 20, almost 30 years. Well, even on your 26 years, Lillian pretty much was the, the lovable one 
I think the only time was with Ed was that anybody really had any negativity towards oh, Lillian. People never forgave me. For, well, because they killed Maureen. I mean, that, right. was, that was a bit of a problem. And she was a good friend of mine. And I had to write the letter that she'd find why I'd put it in the kitchen. Who knows why I'd put it in the kitchen. I said, why would Lillian put this in, to myself? I didn't say it to them. Why would Lillian take, write a love letter to him, put it in the kitchen where his wife is all day long? But I did. So I'm sitting at the desk writing the letter and I couldn't write it. I've never held the show up before and never after. But I just said, I can't do this because I know it's going to kill her. This letter, it sounds silly. And then I heard how Ken Burns, when he put the shots in for Lincoln, Mm -hmm. He couldn't do that. He couldn't put the shots in. They were going to kill Lincoln. He he just he just kept postponing that and postponing it and postponing it. And you know he's already dead. Lincoln's been dead many for a long time. Right. And I knew Maureen was off the show. But you still felt responsible that this one thing was going to be the thing that that caused it. And Ken Burns felt those three shots. He couldn't put them in the script. And everyone said, you know, they kept waiting. They said, look, we can't do this until you put those in. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And I, I would walk out and the guys looked at me and said, Tina, we want to go home. And I said, have I ever held you up ever, ever, ever? And they, you know, they had to <laughs> acquiesce to me. And I said, I'm having real trouble with this. And they said, she doesn't. She finally came over and said, oh, for God's sake, Tina, write the letter. <laughs> <laughs> she was great. I loved her. It, that, yeah. I, that was sad seeing her leave the show. Yeah, it really think... there were reasons for it. Right. Behind the scenes kind of reasons, too. Oh, I'm sure. Um, it, but it, to me, you know, killing a character off, that just breaks my heart because oh, she's such a wonderful you woman. can't yeah. really bring that person back. And I mean, you can, but it hurts the fans so much. They're like, oh, she's gone. She's gone. You know, whereas if they go to jail or get sent to another country, there's a chance. Oh, there's hope. <laughs> or if they disappear. There are so many ways. Right. Well, of course, they brought back. Roger, a hundred times. I mean, Roger Grant, Grant, Philip, Grant. I remember we buried him in a vault. We'd see him go in the casket, <laughs> into the vault. And then he walks down the aisle of, of Beth's wedding to, to um, Alan. I'll, I never forgot it. I thought, really? He, he's, he's alive? <laughs> and how many times was Alan shot? I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> at least eight or, eight or nine, right? I'm sure. I'm sure at least. And uh, you worked with... You know, he'd want right. to come back. I mean, it's, uh, it, was, it was such fun. It's it's wonderful to have this in life, isn't it? To have fantasies that you can make things up that, and you can bring people back to life. I mean, how many times we'd like to do that in real life? <laughs> exactly. I, I think the only storyline that really kind of got me was Reva's clone. Oh, that one just kind of just kind of awful. It was come on, y'all. Yeah. Well, that's what we all thought. And we'd look at her and we'd all laugh and she'd say, look, everybody, I'm the one who has to do this. <laughs> Don't do this to me. You can't you can't leave me like this. So help me. And everyone kind of did. But, you you know, you just we go in the morning at 630 and everybody rehearses. So you hear her rehearsal of the clone and everyone's going, oh. And we're all, some of the people are really funny. Um, Buzz was really funny. And Grant, well, uh, Philip and um, Billy. I'm trying to think who else is really funny. Philip and Billy, their remarks, Ed, Ed Bowers' remarks were just, they were so funny that right. then when you're doing the scene, <laughs> those remarks are going through poor Kim's head, you know, and she has to be really serious and how can you be serious when you're you just heard these insanely wonderfully brilliant comments <laughs> <laughs> that's true and, and you know rick i mean he's very i don't funny. know how he he is but i don't know how he became head of the hospital i mean he killed so many people oh. <laughs> he, he was so such a bad doctor he, counted, he you know, I brought him a cake on the 18th because nobody had killed more people on television than he had once he hit 18 <laughs> so we brought a big cake out for him <laughs> that's hilarious speaking of buzz justin was on a couple months ago he was on the show he's great love love great. him uh Y'all had great chemistry. I, I oh, loved yeah. you all together. You know what we loved? We both sort of were ad-libbers and take mm -hmm. us off script and we were much, much happier. And he, he loved it as much as I did. So he'd just go off and say things and I'd just answer him. And we didn't, you know, some people would say, Tina, 
that's not the line. There were one or two, one person who just had to have the lines. And I wasn't great on always, if I wanted to make it a little more fun, I would. Um, and she'd say, Tina, um, no, no, no. And I'd say, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and I'd been on so long and she hadn't, I sort of would get away with it. Um, but he, Justin would just come out with these ideas. And I, of course, would run right along with them. I mean, one time he came out with Viagra. <laughs> and I said, he said, look what I bought during lunch hour. And I went, oh, you know, he just added it. And I went, we were having lunch on a bench. And I, I think I had some wonderful comment right back at him because he wanted to stun me. He wanted to get me without letting me say something back. Oh, he's so funny. He's going, his wife just told me they're going to Hawaii, I think, for Christmas. Where oh, really? She just told me where they're going. It was someplace really interesting. I can't remember. Anyway, she asked me for a travel agent. I don't have one. She uh, has been doing a show down in Nashville. She's beginning a show in Nashville? Uh, no, she has been. I don't know if it's ended, but I know she was down there when Justin was on here because the week after he went down to see her. Wow. Because my son's now just moved there. And she right. wrote me. She, I think she, well, she mustn't be there. She would have said, I'm, I'm down there. It may have been a short-term thing. No, no. She she works and does such wonderful things. She's just genius. I'm trying to get her on the show. She said yes, but it's just yelling it's her down. It's very hard to get her down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have to bribe her somehow. <laughs> well, you, you know, I'll get Justin on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, that doesn't always work. That might not be the right approach. <laughs> oh, I, I know. When he was on, we were... We had talked about how she was a little more conservative than he was. And, you know, that they, she, mama wore the pants, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I would go along with that. Definitely. I would too. Yeah. But yeah. I, I love the two together. They're great. Oh, they are. <laughs> so thinking now, I know the show ended years ago. Where do you think Buzz and Lillian would be now? Where do you hope they would be? in life yeah i know what you're saying um well i hope they were would be doing sort of interesting things i don't know joining a book club i'm joking but something what you don't expect them to do instead of things that you you know i don't hope they just wouldn't be in the working in the uh, me at the hospital and him in this um restaurant yeah what's the name of this restaurant I just I remember Bauer. It was originally Bowers, but then it changed like five, changed. six different times. No, I can't remember what it was called either. Um, I just hope we'd be doing sort of interesting things, maybe taking trips and maybe playing with our grandchildren. I don't know. Um, Beth, I'm sure, would be causing us trouble <laughs> with yet another odd marriage. Um, I mean, no, she'd be married to Philip at this point, so that would be good. It would be the grandkids that would be causing you the issues now. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd like us to be doing something really sort of far out and just, and because he'd like, get a motorcycle and go across the country. That's what they'd be doing. They'd get a motorcycle and they'd, you know, they'd be on the show, but you'd see them going across the country, stopping, meeting odd people and having just a wonderful time. I'd like that. That's what I and think they should do. I like that because Buzz was always good about making Lillian step outside her comfort zone sometimes. That's right. That's right. And <laughs> so. I think he, nobody but Buzz would get her on a, on, a, on a motorcycle, but I could see him doing it and I could see her going, oh, 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 no, I can't do that. And he'd say, come on, Lillian. And he'd jump up, he'd pat the seat and I'd probably get on and we'd go off and I'd like it. And then we'd go sure. and meet interesting people. And, oh, I think it'd be terrific. That was so that's fun. what I liked about Buzz, the character. He was able to do that with the other characters, make them step out like Alexandra. I mean, who would ever thought him and Alexandra would have been friends? But yeah. They were really good friends on the show. <laughs> right. They were. God, uh, Beverly. I think of Alexandra that I go to Beverly instantly. Yes. I remember the day Beverly said, I mean, I thought I knew her quite well. I thought we were really when we were quite good friends, but she had not shared with me either that she was going to leave. And that morning that she left, she came on, she did her scene and she said, I have an announcement. This is my last show. And it was, she was up for two months. She had a vacation and her contract was up and she just decided she wanted to move out and be with her son. And I think it was the right thing to do, obviously, but I'll never forget thinking, 
how could you have been in my dressing room today talking to me and not mentioned this? It's wonderful exactly. what secrets people can keep, isn't it? For sure, especially in Hollywood. <laughs> that would never be a secret anymore. <laughs> not no, nowadays. No. <laughs> and then I think Joan Collins came in for a little bit before. She did. She did. Before. Um, she, she had a hard time doing it. I mean, she wasn't used to doing one hour show a day. She was used to taking a week or so to do it. And she was terrific. I don't mean that she wasn't good. Oh, but for sure. it's not as easy for her because it's it's a talent that you know how to do, keep working and working, and you don't you, you don't let you, you know how to keep yourself from being tired and how to learn when to learn the scripts. And you know, there are tricks. Well, I say it all the time. If if they want a reliable celebrity, so if you get somebody who's been on a soap, if That's they right. can do a soap, they could do anything because soaps you have to memorize so fast and work so fast. And it's just crazy. I, I, the only time I really, really appreciated it, I had a monologue in a movie called Changing Lanes. Ben Affleck was my son-in-law. That's and next to my list. <laughs> and, well, isn't that wonderful? Because what happened on that, I had to do this monologue and Ben Affleck and... Um, who was my husband? Sen no. Somebody really, he's dead. He's, he was wonderful. Um, and they were talking about who had the bigger plane or something. You know, there was all this conversation going on. And Amanda Peter, remember, she was rolling her eyes at me about that one. And then it would go five, four, three, two. And I had to go into this ditzy, ditzy monologue. And if I hadn't been a soap actress, I could, and I had to do it, you know, every person had their lines before uh, close ups to start me in. So I had to do it again and again for their things. I could never have done that without my soap training because you're laughing. I mean, they're so funny. They were being so ridiculous that, that you're laughing and then it's five, four, three, two, and I go into the Stitzy woman. And it it was the soap Sydney training. Pollock. Sydney Pollock, yeah. As a matter of fact, my line, I had one line, I think I'll have the snapper, which in the theater, I went to see the movie, everyone howled at. And I said, oh, I, I think I'll have, and I used the swordfish and said, and he said, no, no, you've got to say snapper. It's really funny. So I went, all right. So I said, I think I'll have the snapper. And it brought the theater down. I, everyone was howling. And I thought, what was funny about that? I didn't see anything funny. But the word, he said, the word snapper will get people. He was a genius. He knew. Perel is asking you, he says, hi, Tina. What was your favorite memory of working with your on-screen daughters, Judy Evans and Beth Chamberlain, both Beths? What's, what was my what? I'm sorry. My favorite moment? What was what? your favorite memory working with them? Well, Beth Chamberlain, I'll start with her um, because she's present day. I am the, grand, the, the um, godmother of her son, who is oh. maybe 18 or seven. No, he's not even that. He's about to go to college. Um, we were really, really, we still are really, really close. And well, I'll start with Judy, maybe, because she was like a child to me. You know, as I said, she came over and would be on my son's tricycle, and she was over at our house a lot. Um, but then she fell in love with John Weitzel, who was on our show, who was a producer, no, a director, and or producer, one of, one of those important people. Um, and then she made, you know, got the Emmy and moved. So I didn't have as much time with her. But since I did this show called Venice, the series, which was she was in and I was in. So we'd always just be so glad to see each other. I mean, she went through some hard, hard times. And I, I sort of played mom to her. And I don't know if you know, but her son died. And um, oh, no, I didn't. two years ago, this December. And oh, wow. so um, I often think of that because she, oh, well, so I've stayed close to her because of, of what she's gone through. And she's just such a brave woman so brave and so so different than what she portrays you know she portrays this i don't know she's just different but she's um so i just she would come over and spend sundays with us and have turkey and sit in the kitchen and play checkers with my son she was more his age than my age i think <laughs> um and yet she was had such a wonderful emotional ability to just Oh, she was such, she was so good. And then Judy was just like seeing a, a little me in a way. She was much more like me. Her husband, Peter, before they were married, was over in my kitchen. We're big on the kitchen. Um, <laughs> we had this big kitchen in New York on Park Avenue. I mean, it was just fabulous. And we were sitting there and Beth went out to do something. I said, if you don't ask her to marry her, to marry you now, you're not going to get her because there'll be somebody else. 
And he went home that day and asked her to marry him. And they've been married <laughs> happily ever since. Wow. So I, I, am, I, I have a lot to do with her life, you know. Um, and she says that. She'll say to me, I, I listen to you all the time. Thank heaven I listen to you. And, um, and I love having Luke, who's just adorable, for my godson. And Judy, I just, they were just both beautiful women in very different ways. Beth was a great skier and Judy was sort of a, she, I think she worked in the circus. I'm serious. I think she did do circus. Her parents did too, right? Yes. And yes. She, she was much more from that kind of a side of the world than Beth Chamberlain was more like my life. Um, Cause I skied and did mountain climbing and got married and stayed married. And I don't know. Um, although I didn't stay married. Um, I am still married 50 years, but um, they're very, very different. And yet they were both just sheerly lovable women, wonderful women, trying to think of a special memory. I mean, Beth, uh, Judy would come and make chocolate chip cookies. She just loved being in a house where it was family. And um, when I met Beth, she was older and she was dating some really powerful people who would, I'm quite powerful. She could have married some of one or two that were really, we'd know who she was all the time. Let me just put right. that. She fell in love with Peter and they have this gym and they, they're really wonderful. They, their house that they sort of worked on is just beautiful up near Nyack. And she's just such a perfectionist. That's what she is. Judy Evans isn't a perfectionist. She's kind of more fly by the seat of your pants, I guess. But they both were charming. Yes, I watch both those, The Bay and uh, Venice. So, yes, I oh. know which both is. Actually, I've got the writer-creator coming on next week of The Bay. The Bay? Gregory. Um, I'm not on The Bay. No, you're not. I'm oh, just good. saying, because Judy's on Ooh. The Bay. Okay. Judy's on The Bay. But Judy Beth was also on Venice. Oh, was she? Oh, yeah. See, I'm still catching up. I'm not totally caught up. I'm still in the middle of both those. Yeah, I'm juggling them. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another one called Beacon Hill. That um, yes, that's a lot of us are on. Yes, and, and I love those. I love how they're doing those with all the. I mean, it it's great for the fans like me to see Lillian with you know Scorpio, Robert Scorpio. I mean, not that right. y'all have been, but yeah. just for example, yeah. th- from different soaps that you'd never dream they'd ever cross paths and it's it, and it's so much fun to see all your old friends i mean working again with them has just been crystal really did a great job with that yes crystal's done wonderful i'm working on getting her well I'm actually working on beth and judy to come on too uh, so if you talk to them tell them to look for my emails I will. I will. I will. <laughs> or or their people i'm not emailing them no they um, beth does beth is really busy uh, Terrell said, what do you remember most about working with the late Jerry Verdorn? Oh, my goodness. Jerry. Jerry. You know, Jerry to me, well, he was just sort of the, the rock behind the whole show. I mean, he was the one that if something terrible happened, you knew he would take care of it. Um, I never, except when he was dating my sister, Calla, Calla Lily. Did you think that's very funny? Calla Lily? Uh, Lily. Wow, that's pretty. Mm-hmm. I like that. Oh, they did it on purpose because they're Calla Lily when they called me Lily. Right. Um, this Pam, this Pam's little tricky little things. I love those little tricks that nobody <laughs> notices. And then one day you go, Calla and Lillian, wait a minute. And you know, and you know she's done that. You think that's quite fun. Um, but Jerry, so I didn't work with him very much except to apologize to him for my dear darling sister Calla having syphilis, if you remember that. It had something to do with the movie Out of Africa that had somebody had syphilis in that movie. I don't know who it was. Um, and she, you know, it was, we were, again, there you're laughing because you know it's coming from out of Africa. That all of a sudden she had syphilis. And she was the kind, Calla was the kind of person who would always have an excuse for being late. You know, a pee hit her alarm clock so it didn't go off. And we'd all go, oh my gosh, that's a good one. I never would have thought of that one. Um, but she was, she was lovely too. Um, but Jerry, <laughs> I remember when 9-11 happened and um, living in New York, which is where I lived, we lost a lot of our friends in the World Trade Center. And it was uh. just devastating. And we 
Steve, my husband and I would be going to funerals. My son lost friends. So he joined the Marines out of Harvard to go over and fight because he lost friends. So, right. um, and Jerry was the one who spoke for us. He was, this, I couldn't talk. All I did was cry. He was the spokesperson and he was always our spokesperson for Christmas, for anything that was going on in the world, for the fact that we're off the air. I mean, he was just the finest, finest man in the world. And his wife was so, he was so devoted to his family and she was so devoted to him. I didn't know them the way Liz Kiefer knew them or Grant. Grant was just so taken back. I mean, this really bothered him because he, they saw each other. Jerry and Mikey and um, Bruce Barry, our director, and Justin would go out with Jerry a lot and have lunches, you know, in New York. So I guess what I'm saying is I, I didn't know him the way they knew him. My knowing of him was just to think what a wonderful, wonderful man he was. He would, he'd be, think we'd have him for president and the world would be in a good place. You know, he just was such a fine, unassuming human being. Mm -hmm. he, he was, and he was a phenomenal actor. I mean, oh yeah. In either any show he was in, he was good. Oh, just he so was strong. Gonna be good. So strong. Yeah. Liz was on a couple of weeks ago. She's, she's going to come back, her, Maureen, and, uh, Elizabeth Dennehy. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, I'm trying to get Sherry on too. I'm trying to get the three Blakes. Oh, Sherry Stringfield loved her. Loved her. I'm that trying to get her. Show. That would be terrific to get the the women that did it. Yeah, that's terrific. Uh, it's called Blake, Blake, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to shift gears on you. You, uh, you are an author author a very good author by the way uh, Thank you. uh i just got turned on to them i'm getting to order them because i was reading all of the synopsis and everything and, and the samples and i'm hooked going cleopatra but before i get to your first book changing shoes getting older not old with style and that was that made into your one woman show or oh, was yeah. yep. i didn't know if it was vice versa i couldn't remember I think, well, they were sort of happened at the same time. I was writing the play and writing the book. Um, and, you know, I knew I could see what was going to happen with Guiding Light. You know, it was, I didn't want to believe it. And I didn't until it happened. And even then I didn't believe it, but still I had somewhere to go. Right. When, when it fell. So um, I was, I guess it was 2010, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote, uh, it was going from sexy high heels to black flats. And, and on the show, I would wear sh white high heels as a nurse. And then I was wearing those sneakers. You know, that's what happens as you get older. You're, 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 you change. You have, and people make you change. You, you know, you're not allowed to, well, you, your feet hurt. You can't walk around all day in sexy high heels anymore. Um, and on the show, I would change shoes as with each part that I was doing. And it was, it really worked quite well. Someone said to me, why don't you do it again? And I thought, I don't think I have the, energy <laughs> um because it takes a lot it's you know you're up there for an hour and you're walking around in high heels for most of the time um but it, it was i wrote it sort of it's a lot about the soap changing shoes that book a lot about the so have you read it no uh i haven't you ought to because it's really about a lot about guiding light um I have to, funny stories light. really funny stories about it that you don't get, in, you know, I mean, that wouldn't come up someplace like this, but right. Beverly McKenzie and just some of the great people and funny, funny, funny stories that, that happened, you know, like when you kill someone by mistake, I don't know, just the strangest things we did. That, I'll have to get that for sure. Yeah. And after that, you, this next two, we got to talk about, uh first one was Chasing Cleopatra, a novel of love, betrayal, and suspense. It's about a woman named Cleopatra Galler. Could you tell us a little bit about it without giving away the book? It's Cleopatra Gallier. She's a 40-year-old woman who has a little affair with a young guy, which is really quite fun for people. And it's a lot of my son, as I said, went into the Marines after 9-11 because he knew so many people who died. Anyway, he um did intelligence and a lot of black ops stuff was involved with what he was doing. So I learned a lot about this from his friends, just sitting around listening to them. Um, 
they would only talk to each other, but I could be close by. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of black ops CIA things in there. And I'd call a friend of mine who was head of the CIA and I'd say, where would I have an Al-Qaeda terrorist? What area near Hawaii? And he said, go to the Philippines. So I would do these things. And it's it's really, really good. Men, I think men like it even more than women. Women like all the romance. There's a lot of romance in it. And the woman, Cleopatra, is impossibly beautiful. And she's also a Krav Maga. I don't know if you know what that is. I didn't know. But it's an Israeli defense system that's the most incredibly good defense system. And she knows how to do this. And so she might even take down the terrorist. Um, and you don't know who the terrorist is. I've had people call me at two in the morning, friends of mine say, I'm still up. I cannot believe so-and-so, I'm not <laughs> gonna say who it is, was the terrorist. I'm just beyond, I could kill you right now because I haven't slept in a day or two days. And people tend, once they start to read it, to not be able to put it down, which was what I intended. And then there, right. it has a so very much a soap opera thing in it too. I mean, it leaves you, wondering at each chapter what's going to happen and you, so you can't stop reading it um and i just sure. loved the characters loved them i mean they were Cleo's kind of a badass oh <laughs> she sure was she was certainly yes she was and then she changes three years later when she's in the next book and look she's got a child yes <laughs> the third book which was just released named chasing yesterday. othello yesterday. book two yesterday book yes, two look at that the, pretty dress see the dress on each that she has the same dress on only women would like that one's purple one's red i would like to wear both of them but i don't think i could quite fit into them anymore but um i've got all three of them up there that's uh -huh. me sorry fabulous fabulous i just want everyone to be able to see the covers of them so they'll know what they're looking for when they order them because they better order them i'm going to <laughs> thank you it's on amazon Yes. Uh, a picture of this. That's a great screenshot. Thank you. I just kind of threw it together uh, best I could. I could have couldn't find very clear pictures. But as I say, when oh, uh, as I say, when I say I'm going to order a book, I do. Eileen, uh, <laughs> Kristen told me about this one, so I just got this one last week. Uh -huh. So I will be getting you'll, more you, three books. You'll like these people. I mean, I have some very nice characters and some very not so nice characters, but mostly they're nice. And then you find one of the nice ones is not nice, which is kind of fun. But see, just from what I know of both the books, they could make one heck of a movie out of it. Well, I've got an. They have an option on the on the one chasing Cleopatra. I but, hope so. <laughs> you know, you, you, having been in this business and having done movies. I know things don't happen just because you want them to, or right. because people say they're going to do them. It takes money and it takes, they were, they're hoping they've got a director. They're planning to do it in Honolulu. I don't know. I mean, I, I really, really want them to, because it's such fun. And I wrote a little scene in for myself. <laughs> in it. <laughs> of course you should. Well, it's just somebody else wrote the screenplay, but I asked him to put this one scene of my, me in it because she's a 79 year old, I'm about to be 80, 79 year old woman. And by the time the movie comes out, she, we might have to make her older than that. But um, it just, it just, it's just fun to think I can be in the movie that of the book that I wrote, you know? Well, sure. I mean, uh, look at Spider-Man, you know? He, uh, yeah. he was yeah. in every one of them. Sure, that's right. Um, look at Alfred Hitchcock exactly for sure so you've already touched on part of it how much research do you have to do to a know lot. all of this stuff i, I mean i really, really do a lot the accuracy from what i've heard is very accurate i yes. mean you're just everything you've talked in there in the books are pretty accurate no i i i really spend time I, i'm in a book club with some very intellectual women and they the thing they couldn't get over was how much they learned from the book. It wasn't just fun. They learned a great deal. And I, I was thrilled that somebody noticed that. I think you can read a book and not notice it, but this group would notice that because they like to learn. Um, and, you know, I was a little nervous about them reading it because it's it's got soap opera in it. I mean, there's so many, there are betrayals that you don't expect certain people to betray and how they betray. You're just stunned. Um, and then the second one, the same thing, Chasing Othello, 
again, you don't know who the villain is and you're really surprised in this one too. And I enjoy, I enjoy that. And I enjoy just making stories up. Someone said, how do you think this up? I said, I don't have any idea, but I just love making things up. I love making, you, I walk down the street and I look at a person, I make up a story about them. I mean, or about the street itself. I, I, I sort of do it everywhere. So why not, why not publish it? That's incredible. That, that's a great imagination to be able to do that. It's a very intelligent to, to do that. Yeah, I, I sat down at lunch the other day with some friends and I said, okay, we were talking about Crimes and Misdemeanors, which was a Woody Allen movie that I think is the best movie he did. And um, the man who commits a murder doesn't, feels very guilty. And then you see him a few years later and the guilt's gone. He's forgotten it, which is a really interesting concept. And so I said, well, let's say we committed a murder. What would you have for your last meal in jail? You know, and there was someone there who knew a lot about this. And she said, you know, they, for the last meal, they, they, they find people like Lutess or great restaurateurs who will make the last meal for you. I mean, it's not going to be just some guy down on the in the jailhouse right. making you turkey, but you're going to have real turkey and gravy and cranberry sauce and stuffing and a hot fudge sundae, which is what I asked for. Another <laughs> woman there asked her, said she'd have a whole co coconut cake, the whole thing, and a bottle of champagne. You know, it's kind of an interesting concept. What would you have? <laughs> oh, my. Well, I'm a beef farmer. From a beef farmer, I'm not myself, but I would have to have steak. Steak That's and lobster. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be my go-to. It's a good, interesting concept. You learn a lot about people with that question. That 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 is a good question. I would, I've never thought about it until you've asked me that, and that is a very good question. I might start asking that. Well, before I go on to the next day, I just want everyone to know you can find all three of Tina's books: "Changing Shoes," "Chasing Cleopatra," a novel of love, betrayal, and suspense, and "Chasing Othello," book two, "The Cleopatra Chronicles," on Amazon in different formats. It's so, going to be an ebook and audible and the audible is being done December 12th. The woman who was doing it was in a car accident, so she couldn't do it last month. Fortunately, she's all right. Um, but the, she, this has been a year she's been recovering. So I wasn't going to get mad that she couldn't do it. And, right. um, and then um, the ebook should be out in a few days. They're just and waiting. I think on Amazon, you can only get changing shoes in auto audio at this point, And I read at it at this point. No, you can also get oh, you did. Um, Chasing Cleopatra. That's that's yes. audible. And it won yes. the best audible book of the year. And, and this woman who had the car accident, who's doing Chasing Othello, um, she did Chasing Cleopatra and we won this fabulous, I mean, best audible by the audible book people. She has a great voice. Uh, you can go on Amazon on Cleopatra and hear like six minutes. She's um, wonderful of the book as i said she's doing the next one but i i didn't want her to do it before she was ready obviously well yeah for it, sure it's a lot but i'm glad to i'm glad to know that you just said that you read for uh shoes changing, changing shoes. shoes so the only problem was i had the worst cold in the world and to get the studio near where i live i had to do it those two days or i wouldn't have it for three months or something so i did it but i sound i think i sound so sick um and because <laughs> I felt it I felt just terrible but I was going to do it and and we did it in two days and it's it's good I mean it's fun I somebody drove up to New York listening to me and she said Tina it was like I had you in the car with me the whole way you know which was a nice oh thing to say can you imagine that would be so phenomenal to have Tina Sloan next to you in the car <laughs> I mean come on who wouldn't love that yeah I could make you lots of stories and you could tell me lots of stories well, before we came on, you were off the screen and I heard your laugh mm -hmm. and your laugh. It was just like it was so warm to hear it. It was like, a <laughs> you. you know, the memory from the show. And it was just very you've got such a great laugh. I'm sorry, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And if you guys uh, don't follow Tina on Instagram, you really should. The link is in the description of this video. She does a fabulous she gives fabulous aging tips i follow you i listen to them every day sometimes yeah, you put them sometimes twice i think did you see the twice. one yesterday where yes. i wasn't that funny this i've got to tell her i've got it was leah i'm in i'm on, I'm on tv I'm, i can't talk 
but you can get all her social media. I've got it all in the description. You, those are, I mean, those are phenomenal. My aging tips are hilarious at times, and sometimes they're very, very good and helpful. One I liked, my favorite one was Leonardo da Vinci, who said, when you can no longer do what you want to do, want to do what you can do. Yes. And he said that as he was very, very old. And I'm getting older and I can't ski anymore. I, I used to be a big marathon runner. I can't run. So I walk and I want to do what I can do now. That was a great one. Then I do things on makeup or I do things on grandchildren or, you know, <laughs> earrings. Every day I wear a different pair of wild, wonderful earrings because I love those. But I, I think my aging tips make me very happy. I don't even plan them. I just say, oh, I better do an aging tip. And I sit down and say something. I love it. I do. I love them. Thank you. Uh, Thank you I'm not going to, I'm not meaning any diss towards anybody's Instagram. There are three Instagrams that I love, love, love. I look forward to yours. Uh, Kate Linder's weekly. She does a, it, a feel good. Uh -huh. Build, build you up. And then Fiona Hutchison. I love her. I forgot her. <laughs> her Instagram. Oh, huh. it's, it's not her. It's about oh. her pet, Chicken Chicky. Chicky Mama's the name. And okay. this chicken is the smartest chicken. I swear it's the <laughs> smartest chicken I've ever seen in my life. I am not lying. This She gives him, he'll come up in the house with, she'll come up in the house with her. She'll give her tea and bread, moist bread. Um, and the chicken will sit there and have tea with her on the porch or right there in the kitchen. And it's oh, something different all the time. Today. Great. Oh, it's they are great. Is that they every day too? No, she it's at, usually once a week, sometimes several times a week, but mm -hmm. uh, she right. She knows I love it. I mean, I talked to her. I'm trying to get her on the show. Well, she says she would be on the show. We just haven't nailed down the date, but oh my god, her chicken, chicken mama. Tell her, tell her to bring the chicken, then she'll do it. Oh, I told her, I said we could do a whole show on just chicken mama. And <laughs> There's one video she did where the chicken seemed to appear to be getting sassy with her. So she started calling her Chiquita Mama when she gets her attitude. <laughs> but yes, y'all three have the best Instagrams. That's great. Thank you. I'm going to watch those too. By far. Um, well, I don't know. I know we don't have a lot of time. I'm not going to keep you very long, but you also climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, which is an incredible feat. And Annapurna. Oh, really? Didn't know you did both. Oh, Annapurna, wow. I did Annapurna Refuge, which is 20,000 feet. Like, you know, I, when I'm in an airplane and you're cruising at 20,000 feet, I think, I really climbed this high? Who was that woman? She wasn't me. Who was she? You know, it just astonishes me. It's and you're... Well, That was in Nepal. Annapurna was in Nepal. And we were there when they were having a revolution. So to get out of <sighs> Nepal... They brought us to the airport. We had to each take separate planes. I went to Bangladesh on my plane by myself. There were guns all around the plane when we landed in Bangladesh. And I thought, wow, oh, this is really an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's more interesting than climbing the mountain because even you climb, it is a little boring. You know, you're just going up and up and up and up. And you're thrilled when you get there, sort of. And then you come down. But going to these places to climb was was as much part of it as anything and the people you meet and you bond with right it's the it's about the journey i think as well i, I agree with you there or, i mean i want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, but you know I, I watched you talk about it and yeah i don't think i'm going to do that <laughs> i think you should do it if you want to i really do i think it's a wonderful thing to do I don't know. It, it seems tough from the way you were talking. You know, you go halfway and then you camp, and then the things that you saw that were so pleasant. Oh, the that people happened. that were dead. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that's pretty rare. I mean, I think if you're worked out for it, you're fine. You just you make it. If you're not allergic to the altitude, a lot of people had altitude problems and had to come down for that. Oh, and, and that's what I loved about the video I watched. You were like. You were talking about all the people who are in their beige and everything and seeing you in your bright pink thinking, oh, well, look at her, look at her, kind of a Barbie type of thing. And, and at the end of that video, you said, and I made it. Not all of them made it, but I That's made great. it. That's right. <laughs> and one of our leaders who was really wonderful and nice about my pink um, couldn't do it. She got up to about, oh, she was up at 18,000. 
before the last climb and I could hear her. And so she had edema. Um, oh no. And so they had to bring her right down, which meant all our leaders went down and there we were left. Um, <laughs> but she was, she had tried three times and every time she got pulmonary edema because her lungs, she couldn't handle the altitude. And that's what people don't know. And some people, people who smoke do far better. People who are not in shape because their lungs aren't as accustomed to getting air or something like that. Right, as much they, air. They don't need as much air. So they're they're much better off. And, isn't, and also I found, I go out, I was out in um, the Rocky Mountains at 8,000, 9,000 in Aspen this summer. And this year I noticed it bothered me for the first time. So, mm. de so depressing. But it's, well, you need to more, keep doing what you can, what you make yourself want to do, right? Exactly. You want to do, want to do what but you But you can. need to be safe. We need to keep our Tina Sloan safe. <laughs> well, Sorry. I'm Sorry. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you being here. I could talk to you before much more, but I know you've got things to do. If you want to hang out back in the waiting room, I'll be back there in just a few minutes. Tina, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. I had a lovely time. Bye. I'll be right back there. I'd like to thank Tina Sloan for being here today and chatting with us. I'd like to thank the Necrotizing Fasciitis Foundation for sponsoring our show. For more information on NF, please visit www.necfasci.org. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more upcoming episodes. Please remember to be kind to one another and have a great day.